Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today we continue our series called Let the Church Arise, and the message today is called Grace and Grit. And that, that's not grits, for those of you that are hungry for breakfast. That's grit. That's not cheese grits. That's grit. We're going to get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God that's able to save us and change us. Mark chapter 8 is my primary text today in verse 22. The Bible says, then Jesus came to Bethsaida, uh, which means city of fish, by the way, or fish house. Fat fish house, I like that. Then he came to the fish house or Bonefish Grill, either one, I don't know. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Don't you love when people tell Jesus how they want him to heal? (laughs) They brought the blind man and they said, here's how you're gonna do this, Jesus, just touch him. But Jesus, verse 23, took the blind man by the hand. We don't know if there's any conversation. We don't know what happened. We just know he takes the blind man by the hand and he led him out of town. Isn't that strange? He let him out of town. That gets stranger. And when he had spit on his eyes, excuse me? Excuse me? When he had spit in his eyes, I've never spit in anybody's eyes. We still have people try to split the church. I wanted to spit on their eyes, but I didn't. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. In other words, blurry. I'm a little fuzzy here, but I see something. Then he put his hands on him again. Everybody say again. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. He put his hands on him again, and this time he made him look up. I think that's powerful. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he said, I can see clearly now that the rain is gone. Then he sent him away to his house, listen to this, saying, neither go back into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Understand, this guy, he said, Jesus said, do you see anything? He said, yes, I see tree men. Or maybe four. (laughs) Finally, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, And when Jesus had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean demon spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. One translation says he gave them power to cure all manner of disease. Father, would you move in this place? Open our blind eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts and set us free and keep us free from deception in Jesus' name. 
And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let the church arise. We said last week, it's time to wake up. It's time to take our battle stations and be strong in our identity. We said last week that pressure actually enlarges you. That's God's will for you. In the midst of pressure, it's God's will for you to be stretched, to be enlarged from it. If you allow him, if you allow him, if you submit to him, he will stretch you and increase your potential. We reminded you that Jesus already won every spiritual battle legally in the spirit. It's been won, but the victory has to be enforced by God's people. God's people are God's word enforcement officers. I want to say today, as we've been standing with the value of human life, we stand with our good police and law enforcement officers around our country, and we thank God for you. We appreciate your service. You are no less in service to our country than those who have served in war. And I realize now may be a difficult time for you in your morale, but I want you to know that this church is praying for you and believing for you as well. Jesus said, in my name, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. Jesus gave us his power of attorney to take legal action. Now, as we move forward, I want to say happy 244th birthday, America. Happy 244th birthday. I remember when we had our bicentennial in 1976, I was 15 years old. And we had a big 4th of July that year, 200th birthday of America. I can't believe it's 44 years later right now. Here's the scary thing to me. If you're a student of history like I am, you realize that as different nations have been empowered for different seasons in the earth, that the average time a nation has gone from being a righteous nation whose heart is toward God and losing their anointing, if you will, their authority from God, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, the Persian Empire, and so forth and so on, the average has been about 250 years. I know if that scares you, but it scares me. Especially when I see things going on in our streets. As Pastor Chris said, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. But even though we're not perfect, and even though we always have room for improvement, and God wants us to purify and refine our hearts, isn't that amazing as Pastor Lindsay led us in America the Beautiful today? Some of those verses, you don't even know what they say, and then you see it on the screen. Wow. There are evil forces at work that would love to change our identity by overthrowing our history and rewriting it. And the anti-bullying crowds have become the bullying mobs themselves. I want to clarify, as we've been saying for the past few weeks, in order for all lives to be valuable, black lives have indeed to be valued too equally. And we need to get behind that. And we can get behind that as a statement. We value you. If you're, if you're someone that's hurting in our church, we love you. We bless you. We are for you. Black lives indeed do matter to God and to us. 
But I want to bring a little bit of a balance today before I get back into the text, and that is this. Through much research and prayer, I realized I have a responsibility to tell you that I don't believe the Black Lives Matter organization is compatible with kingdom values. I want to encourage you, those of you that are just saying this slogan, we believe in the message, but we will not stand with a, an organization and an organism that seeks to divide our country. I want to encourage you to look online, to look at the Black Lives Matter organizational website, to look specifically under the founders, the three founders, and to look at their history. They won't call it history because it has, it has his in it. It's history on their main page. Two-thirds of the founders openly identify as quote-unquote queer. They're radically trying to redefine the family, promote ungodly lifestyles, and openly support the murder of unborn children. They are trained Marxists, which I'll explain in a moment, who are hell-bent on dividing our nation no matter what in order to destroy our way of life. And I submit to you that a lot of times the black lives that matter to them are only the ones that reinforce the narrative that they're trying to create. Psalm 11 verse 3 says this, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? As Pastor Lindsay mentioned, we've been to many nations. I've been to 75 nations myself. And I've made no secret. Listen, I'm not preaching politics here today. If you think I'm preaching politics, then you go to switch it off and you do whatever you're going to do. I'm not here to hurt feelings today, but I'm here to step on some demonic toes. And I'm not afraid to get up and speak the truth in love because we love here. But we will not love what God hates and that is those who sow discord among the brethren. His truth is marching on, my friends. His truth is marching on. In the 75 nations, I've told you since I first went to the Eastern Bloc, since I first, my first trip to Russia in 1994, after the Iron Curtain had fallen in 89, and I went in carrying the gospel into Russia and then Ukraine and many other socialist and formerly socialist countries. And I've told you in this place the stories of their ideology and the destructive force and how it steals hope and dream, how it steals incentive and invention and the very things that we stand for as Americans. <laughs> the first time I went to preach in Russia, I stayed in a former communist Headquarters, hotel, conference center, indoctrination place. And we were preaching the gospel of Jesus to hundreds of young people with our friend Bob Weiner. And in that place, in my little tiny room, it looked like the, all, the, the bedroom furniture was from the days of Ivan the Terrible. It looked like it was a mess. The, the sink in my room was not level. It was like this, the sink as I'm trying to brush my teeth. The shower had no shower head. The shower head was knee length. And they had a bucket that you could fill and pour over your head. 1994. And I realized 
that we were afraid of Russia for no particular good reason, except that they had nuclear weapons, but they had no sense. Because they dis... Now listen, if you get the same pay to do excellent work as the guy who does crappy work, there's no incentive. I thought about Alina, our own Alina Lee, escaped from communist Cuba as a child with her family. Venezuela, when we started the church in 1990, Venezuela in 1990 was one of the most prosperous nations in the world. I remember driving past a natural gas plant in Trinidad and Tobago and looking out over the Caribbean and we could see the oil rigs and platforms off the coast of Venezuela and the pastors were telling me, we just struck gas and and a natural gas reserve here in Trinidad and we're hoping to be as prosperous as Venezuela. One of the most prosperous nations then until socialism snuck in as a Trojan horse supposedly to equalize opportunity for the poor, which is a code for communist revolution. Class warfare, blaming those who have for those who have not. Divisions were fueled. Everything was fueled into divide people of Venezuela by gender, by age, by race, by nationality, by job and finance. And they followed the same pattern. Interestingly enough, They began to tear down statues and memorials. And I don't know what you think about all that, you know, the beginnings of some of that stuff and some of the stuff from the South. I have no particular love for any of that stuff. But let me just tell you, when you start pulling down one statue and then they start desecrating and pulling down other statues, it is not, my friends, about Black Lives Matter. It's no longer just about that. What it becomes is, it becomes an excuse to destroy and to try to tear down the identity of our nation so future generations have nothing on which to stand. The context of liberation theology, another thing to Google and look it up, liberation theology, because that's what they stand for. Liberation theology, a demonic combination of religion with Marxism. Look it up. Today, Venezuela is still in civil war. And today, only 30 years later, one of the poorest countries in the world. But here's their promise. Let me read you a quote from Winston Churchill. I love Churchill anyway. I've got books on Churchill quotes and some of the things he said. I want to read this to you and I'll put it up on the screen for you. He said, Winston Churchill said this, socialism is a philosophy of failure the creed of ignorance, and the gospel of envy. Its inherent virtue is in the equal sharing of misery. And it's true. When people scream about the 1%, it's because they want to make 99% all have nothing. And the ones that scream the loudest and cause the most violence to rule. Not on my watch. 
1 Timothy 4, 1 from the message says this. The Holy Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith. That's my concern. And chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. You might know it as seducing spirits and doctrines of demons that shall cause many to depart from our faith. My friends, today, today, this week I've been hearing from pastor friends in California who've been commanded by the governor not to allow singing in church today, today, today. Well, outside of one of our friend's windows yesterday, he sent me a video of a group marching down the street without many masks, openly just doing whatever they want to do, screaming about transgender issues as well as all these other issues. My friend and others, they're singing today anyway by faith. Here's the problem. And he openly said this. The media is just waiting for another outbreak to blame the church. My friends, freedom is never free. Someone paid a price. Every bit of freedom and opportunity are only because of God's blessing on our land and we need to be thankful for America instead of running it down. I've been reading on this, this summer, uh, somebody gave me a book by Gary Sinise, the one who played Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump. It's a book called Grateful American. I started the book in April. I got it for my birthday. <clears throat> and it hit me. In one chapter, he talks about the timeline of terrorism, seeing that in 1990, the Kuwaiti invasion by Saddam Hussein, 1993, the World Trade Center bomb, 1996, the bin Laden uh, declares war on the USA, 1998, U.S. embassies bomb Kenya and Tanzania. Pastor Lindsay and I have been to the, Ken the Kenyan U.S. embassy in Kenya just a couple years after the bombing and saw it with our own eyes. The 2000 USS Cole bombing in Yemen, culminating with September 11, 2001, the day the world changed. And in this book, Gary Sinise says, why didn't we connect the dots? Why didn't we connect the dots? We, we knew all these things leading up and we knew it hadn't gone away. Why didn't we connect the dots? And so at that day, as I was reading, I was reading my book on the beach and this hits me and the Lord spoke to my heart and said this, he said, son, the devil is playing chess and the body of Christ in America right now reacting to another crisis in the midst of a crisis in the midst of a crisis. He's playing checkers. Chess is a long game. It's a big picture game. It's about patience, strategic moves, three moves ahead, looking ahead. Checkers is about jump me, king me. And the devil's playing chess, my friends. We can't afford to play checkers anymore. We're in a war. It is a spiritual battle. People are not the main problem. But there are principalities and powers and ideologies that seek to destroy us. Ephesians 6 put this way in the Message Bible. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. I remember after 9-11, for three or four weeks, our churches grew. 
As people began to seek God, but it didn't last. I remember after 9-11, the week after University of Florida was supposed to play Tennessee, and it was postponed until December of that year. And I remember going to that game in December, which turned out to be Steve Spurrier's last home game. And as we got there into the stadium, this big rivalry with UF versus UT, and it's a historic rivalry. As we sang the national anthem that day, it didn't matter that they were Tennessee and we were Florida. We were Americans. And I remember my heart just filling. Not with a pride that goes before destruction, but with a thankfulness and a gratitude and the purpose and power of God for our land. We need that type of sense of honor back again in our land. We're not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. We need wisdom. You got to recognize the devil's fingerprints are all over things like lying, confusion, taking property that doesn't belong to you. That's called stealing. People dying, that's called killing. Destruction, destroying, and rampant accusations, the accuser of the brethren. Let's not place a demand for moral perfection on previous generations that we, can, we can't possibly live up to ourselves. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. If you want to throw out all the virtues of the founding fathers because they own slaves, you miss the point because history has context. It doesn't make it right. But there were Christians then and now who stood for equality and freedom. And that's what we need to do. But we cannot let this become a, just a social dysfunction. We have to allow this to be spiritual revival. Let's talk about endurance. In the virus, we're, we were hoping for a sprint, let's be honest. We're hoping this would have been over. I remember standing here and preaching to an empty room at the end of March thinking, hey, the president's ban is about to be lifted. Maybe April will be better. Maybe Easter. Maybe when the governor's new order is done in May. Maybe when we get back to um, some semblance of normalcy where we can get a haircut. And color. <laughs> Obviously, it became a marathon. It's not a sprint, is it? We need to think strategically. Can I tell you something? You, you know Usain Bolt, the Jamaican sprinter? That guy, you know, he, gets, he does his lightning bolt thing, you know, at the end of a race. How'd you like to see Usain Bolt run 26 miles? He can't do it at the same pace. And that's why people are exhausted right now. Because we've been trying to gear up for this to be a sprint, hoping, praying, believing. But sometimes you get a marathon. History has had other times of financial challenge globally. Most of us have lived through them. History has had other times of Racial uprising and stirrings of division in our country. History has had other pandemics like the Spanish flu of 1918. But in 2020, we get to handle all three at once. Yes. 
Oh, yay. In order for the church to arise, we need to know this is a season of grace and grit. I prophesied to you three, almost three years ago that we needed to get American grit back. If you were here, you might remember it. We need both as Christ followers in this world. Grace is about compassion for people. Grit is about inner fortitude, gumption, guts, moral fiber, strength of spirit. Folks are desperate for grace right now because every little word and every little thing is being judged. You can be crucified by the online mob and maybe there might be some pushback today and I'm not afraid. The early church was born into a very hostile atmosphere, mob rule. In Acts chapter four, verse 32, it says now, when they were threatened and of being beaten, the multitude of those believed were of one heart and one soul. That's what we need in the midst of this mob rule here. Neither did they say, did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. My friends, if we can get back our one heart and one soul and unite around the word of God and the promises of the Holy Spirit, we will have great power and great grace. In the passage today in our text, friends brought the blind man to Jesus. And I just say this way, friends don't let friends stay blind. Even if it's deception, blindness. Let's never lose our hearts for others that are lost. People don't suddenly find their own way in the middle of chaos. They often spiral downward. And I want to say this to you. Maybe you're lost today or feeling empty and confused. God is knocking on the door of your heart. In just a few moments, I'm going to give an invitation. I want to invite you to receive Jesus or ask him fresh to come into your life with wisdom and discernment. The Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, but let him ask in faith. Because he that asks in doubt is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you because he is wisdom personified. In the passage, in the text, Jesus took the blind man by the hand. Doesn't show that he answered the friends, <clears throat> but it does show he pulled him away from those friends. And he took him by the hand and led him out. He took him to a place where he had not been before. Sometimes the Lord has to get you out to get you in. Sometimes the Lord has to get you out of the wrong friendships. You have to be able to step back in order to be able to see. I'm so thankful that in my days of blindness, Jesus took me by the hand and led me out too. How about you? Jesus then as he takes the man out, he spit in the man's eyes. I want you to know, I almost called this message, spit happens. <laughs> but I decided against it. He spit in the man's eyes. Do you know that spitting in someone's face is almost universally a sign of disrespect, but not with Jesus because he spit with purpose. He spit creative juice. He spit creative droplets. You know, we're trying to avoid droplets by social distancing. Jesus spit right in this man's face. God 
took authority over blindness with direct action. Can you imagine if this would have been in the modern world and other people had seen Jesus spit? I guarantee you the headlines would have meant, read this, Jesus hates blind people. We saw him spit in that man's face and they would pull down all the crosses. At least CNN would report it that way. Constantly negative news. He asked the man if he saw anything and he said, yeah, I see fuzzy people. I see blurry people. And Jesus put his hands on him again. Everybody say again. Can I tell you that God is, our God is a God of another chance. I want you to get that. Think about this. Do you think that Jesus was kind of lacking power that day and, he, and when he spit in his eyes, it wasn't enough? Because I'm telling you that God can do it any way he wants to do. Jesus ministered to other blind people and he did it in different ways. Everyone got it differently. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus says, so be it according to your faith. There was another blind man where Jesus fashioned clay and put the clay in his eyes and made him brand new eyeballs. That guy, the Bible says that guy had been born blind. This guy had gone blind. Why? Because the Bible says he was restored. That means he was brought back to original condition. Something had made him go blind. So in Jesus' case, he spit in this man's face, not as a sign of disrespect, but by directly encountering with God's presence and God's power, the very forces of hell. He spit in that demon's eye and he put his hands on him again. Our God is a God of another chance. Our God is a God that wants to do it again. He wants to do it anew. If you've been touched before, he wants to touch you again. When our God heals, he does it all the way. In this case, it was a process. And sometimes we get our eyes so much on, but God can and God will do it this way. You can't tell him what to do. You can't tell God how to do it. And you can't tell him a timeline. Jesus himself takes this young man through a process. You know what that shows me? Sometimes you need more than just one touch. And I don't know why, but sometimes I need more too. Maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe it's those of us who are stubborn. We just conveniently call it tenacious when it's a good thing. But sometimes the stubborn have got to be laid hands on more than once. Can I remind you, don't give up on people. Don't give up on people who don't get everything the first time you bring them to church. Don't give up on people who don't, who don't get everything the first time that they actually come around and give their lives to God and then kind of get pulled away for a while. Don't give up on people. Jesus doesn't give up on people. He didn't even give up, give up on a blind man who got something, but he didn't get the whole thing. Jesus didn't leave him fuzzy. He didn't leave him blurry. Our God heals and he does it all the way. Say all the way. Don't give up, my friends, because God will do it again. Our God is the God of another chance. Say amen. amen. Even miracles can take time. Jesus healed several blind people. Each was a different process. As I told you, he, he spit in clay. He did all these things. But here's what I thought of. I doubt that this man was jealous that Bartimaeus had an instant miracle and his, his took time and process. I doubt that he was like mad about it. Because he got the same end result 
by trusting God. In the process, Jesus made him look up. What am I saying? The psalmist said, my eyes look unto the hills for where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. If I could do one thing to encourage you today, it's this. Lift your eyes from social media. Lift your eyes from the news. Lift your eyes from what you feel going on in the world and from what's vexing you. Lift your eyes unto the one who can make you see that which is real and that which is true. Because I told you going into this, there's a lot of stuff today that is in the truth neighborhood, but it's not true. It's true-ish. And some of us just more ish than true. That man was restored and he saw everything clearly. Restored means return to original condition. Maybe you need another touch today. Maybe you need another touch. I want to pray for you in just a moment. Maybe you need another touch. Maybe you've been stretched in your faith. Maybe the goings on of the last few months have been too much for you. You feel like, well, I can't take another thing. We got the three simultaneous combustive problems in our world all at once. Goody, goody. But you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you wouldn't be here handling this if God didn't know you could handle it. There's something about you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people who are called to show forth the praises of him who called you out of that blindness, out of that darkness, and into his marvelous light. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel stuck. Maybe you just watched so much, done so much, seen so much, reacted to so much. Maybe you don't even know what to believe anymore. You can believe the word of God. You can trust your heavenly father. He loves you as a father loves his children. Jesus loves you as a shepherd loves his sheep. When you don't know what way to go, when you don't know what way to proceed, trust in the living God. Believe his word. We reject isms and ideologies. We reject religious traditions of man. And we embrace the living God, the living Jesus Christ, who loved you enough to give himself for you. Would you back in and close your eyes all over this place and everywhere you are in our online campus, even if you're vacationing somebody, maybe you're watching this from the beach today. God bless you, that's awesome. But bow your head on the beach and let God minister to your heart. Holy Spirit, today I come against the blindness of the human soul. Blindness of the human spirit. And I speak life and sight. Blind eyes, we command you in the name of Jesus Christ to open. Deception, die. Demonic noise, quiet. Holy Spirit, would you move? 
in the hearts and lives of people and set people free to embrace the truth with boldness and courage again. Father, let this church continue in valuing lives and not choosing sides in a false choice set up by demons to make a lose-lose situation. Today we stand with life. We stand for God. We stand for the Word. We stand on the promises of God. And we put on the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. The helmet of our salvation guarding our minds. Above all, we take our shield of faith wherewith your word says we are enabled to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And, uh, and we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let it be in our mouths and in our hearts as a two-edged sword to divide that which tries to divide us. In the name of Jesus, we speak life over you. We speak boldness and faith and love and compassion over you. And if you're here today and you need a fresh touch, you need another chance with this one who purchased your life. Wherever you are, in this room, on vacation, in the hospital, in a hotel room, right now, would you just lift your hand up boldly and say, Jesus, I need another touch. Jesus, I need more of you. Jesus, would you come give me another chance? Would you open my eyes and help me to be a difference maker in the ways of God? And I pray for all those whose hands are raised, all those whose hearts are open in this room and around the world. Be blessed. Be strengthened. Don't be distracted or dissuaded. The only way you lose is if you quit and back down in fear. In Jesus' name, receive your fresh touch today. Amen. Amen. Finally this. Jesus sent that man home a different way. He didn't send him home with his same friends. Can I tell you something? Friends will either help you to grow or they'll pull you away. Friends will either encourage your blindness or actually help you to see. Find a new route home. Lord, remove our blindness, open our eyes to see your glory once more. Let's not run down America this Independence Day weekend. Let's redeem it. Let's pray for spiritual revival. Let the church arise and may God keep our nation free in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.